family, which was God's idea, an institution that he put into play, has been attacked from the very beginning. Because it was something that he knew would be good, and anything that is meant for good, our enemy is going to try to destroy. You believe that? And he will work at it with a vengeance. But thank God, first of all, thank God we have him. And secondly, thank God we have his word, because in his word, we find the principles that as fathers, as mothers, and as children, we can live by as we are a part of a family. Now, I know that as I'm saying this this morning, there's some people in here that are single. There are some people in here that might be married without children. Uh, And there might be people here today that really, I don't really want to hear about families and stuff like that today. But here's the deal. We're all connected to a family somehow. And in here today, I want you to look around. Just look around. This is your family. This is your family. Brothers, sisters, we're all a part of a family. And as the older brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to the young ones in our flock, in our congregation, in our family. Amen? Yes, we do. Absolutely. So as we turn to Psalm 127 this morning, Psalm 127, we, we, we did Psalm 128 Wednesday night uh, because I was going to preach on that this morning, but I thought this would be a better Sunday morning, and it's just really cool how God allowed us to hit these psalms right at Father's Day. Okay, so on the count of three, I want you all to say, way to go, God. One, two, three. All right. Okay, so Psalm 127, real quick, this is a psalm of ascent. This is a psalm that was sung as people were traveling to Jerusalem for festivals. And some, some uh, biblical commentators believe that this is a song that was sung to the parents of the Jewish community. And it makes sense because it's about faith, and faith has got to be lived out in the family. Faith has got to be lived out at home. It's very powerful uh, when faith and family are linked together, something very powerful is is set loose. Faith and family, very powerful together. A family without faith is a very sad thing indeed. But with but family and faith together, something extremely powerful. So let's look at this short chapter, Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house. You could also say unless the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman w- uh, waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise early. I hear some people in here going, Amen. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. What does that mean? That means toiling, uh, toiling for the food that you eat. Um, For so he giveth his beloved sleep. In other translations, and another way to interpret that is, he grants sleep to those he loves. 
So you see a theme here of why, why are you trying so hard? Why, why, are you, why are you wearing yourself out when the Lord takes care of things that you are trying to do yourself? Okay, verse number three. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Okay, so what does all that mean? And, and how does that relate to being a father in 2022? And there's just three things I want to pull out of there this morning uh, that is going to be helpful to you and really to any, any of us. But the focus is on our fathers today. So we're going to probably say a lot about fathers and, and men, but there is something here for every one of us and each one of these points. So please listen as we first talk about something I've already mentioned, and that is don't overestimate yourself, okay? Don't overestimate yourself. Scripture here talked about work and keeping watch. And for a father, there is work involved, and there is keeping watch involved. We've got to provide those things as parents of our children. But listen, it is ultimately the Lord that does the building and the protecting. The Lord does the building and the protecting. Going back to verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen guard in vain. It's important lessons for us as parents, as fathers today. You guys remember Benjamin Franklin? You ever heard of him? He used this verse when he uh, was speaking with the Continental Congress. Um, he said, Do we imagine that we no longer need God's assistance? The longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs the affairs of men. Without His concurring aid, we shall proceed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. You remember the Tower of We remember that from Genesis chapter 11 where you had people from all over the world trying to build a tower that would reach the heavens. And God saw that. He saw what was happening. And in verse 9 of chapter 11, it's, we're told that He scattered them all over the face of the earth because they were building without God's blessing. So fathers... Whenever we do that, we are doing our building in vain. Whatever we do without the Lord, unless the Lord build it, our building is in vain. And what does vain mean? Vain means worthless, and vain means empty. And except the Lord and unless the Lord is repeated twice in verse 1. And we see the word vain in those two, first two verses several times. So he's trying to make a point here. Anytime something is repeated, uh, we, need to, we need to really pay attention to what's being said. Now, back in the day, uh, in Solomon's day, this was a psalm of Solomon, 
Back in Solomon's day, Jerusalem, of course, had a, a, a wall around the city that was built to protect the people. And during the day, the gates were open and people were allowed to leave and go and leave and come and go and co- go and come. And <laughs> what am I trying to say? People could leave and they could come back. They could go in and they could go out. And, and that's what they did. They went out and they took care of their sheep and they took care of their fields and they did all that. And then they came back in and then they shut the gates and they were closed. And then they had a night watchman and he would climb a tower and he would keep watch. But as good as they were, and as big as that lock was on that door, if the Lord didn't provide the protection that they needed, they were in trouble. I don't care what watchman you stick on the wall. Without the Lord's protection, we're in trouble. Amen? Absolutely. That's what he's trying to say here. And he is hitting it so hard because we have a tendency to believe that we can handle our homes and we can handle our families on our own. We try to prove it by saying things like, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to pray about this. I got this. Or maybe we're not even that bold and we're just thinking subconsciously, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. It's my responsibility. I've got to do this. I've got to work hard. I've got to make sure this happens. I've got to handle this. And we, we tend to think that what we do is primary and what God does is secondary. Do you see how that happens? Do you see how in the day-to-day, the busyness of the day, the responsibilities that we all have, we have a tendency to think that we're responsible for it all and we have to do it all. And I think whoever, I don't know, sometimes I think whoever came up with a checklist, the idea of a checklist, should be imprisoned. Because how many times have you made a checklist and you got down two lines and you had eight left and you felt like a failure at the end of the day? And you carry that feeling of failure to the next day where you only get one thing checked off. And then the failure keeps coming and, and becomes more and more of a burden because you have made what you do primary and you've made what God does secondary. I'm going to read something from an article that came out in Christianity Today. It's from an article called The Myth of the Perfect Parent. I love the title already, don't you? The myth of the perfect parent. It says, more than any other generation, today's parents are worried sick that they will mess up their children's lives. Um, a serious error, and, and what this does, um, we, we assume then that there is a serious error in the way that we parent and our beliefs as about parenting. We have made far too much of ourselves and far too little of God, and we see ourselves as more essential and in control than we really are. And the reflex of that is to judge ourselves by our children and to judge others by their children. Now, how many times have you seen, let's just, let's just talk about church since we're here, and you saw somebody's kids doing something, running around, doing something, mm-mm-mm. you know what, if that child were mine, I'd be tanning a hide right now. What kind of parent lets their child? You know, we do that, don't we? We, we judge ourselves by our children. What are people going to think? My kid, my kid's not making straight A's. What are the teachers going to think? My kid's getting in trouble every day. There's obviously an issue. What are the other parents at the PTA going to say about my kid and, and me as a, as a parent? 
we need to quit asking, this article went on to say, we need to quit asking, am I parenting successfully? We need to quit asking, are they parenting successfully? And what we need to ask instead is, am I parenting faithfully? Because there's a difference. Faithfulness is God's highest requirement. Without faith, it is impossible to do what? To please God. That's what the Bible says. That's what Scripture says. But we get so focused on ourselves and on our need for success and on the need for our children to be successful that we have come to view parenting as a performance test. And that, that was never what God intended. Did you hear me? It is not God's intention that parenting is a performance test or that our children are trying to successfully pass a performance test. But it is God's intention that we are faithful in our parenting. Um, we are not sovereign in any situation. We are not sovereign over our children. God is. But He has given us our children to take care of and raise and guide and lead and to faithfully parent. Because these children that we've been given are, are human beings. And they are wondrously and fearfully made. So what is parenting but a, an endeavor on your part and mine to love, to take risk, to persevere, and to above all have faith and trust in God? So I offer this to you. It's not a formula. I don't know how many psychologists, I don't know how many Christians, I don't know how many uh, unbelievers have had tried to come up with a formula for success in kids. It's not about formula, it's about faith, church. It's about faith. And it's not about guarantees. Now, if you, let you, if you put your kid in this class, I guarantee you that they're on the fast track to a, a six-figure-a-year uh, salary when they get out of college. But it's not about guarantees. It's about, you know what it's about? You're going to like this, I do believe. It's about grace. We have been given grace. We give grace to our children. Imagine that. And, it, and it's not about success as it is being steadfast. And these are the things that bridge the gap between our parenting efforts and by what and by God's grace, what our children will eventually become. These are the important things. So for those of you who have grown-up children, for those of you who have teenage children or younger, for those of you who don't have children yet, and for those of you who have never had children, this is what it's all about. It's about faith and it's about trust and realizing that that God and what He wants and what He's doing is more important than what this world says and what I think or feel. Unless what I'm thinking and feeling is in line with the Word of God, bottom line. So don't overestimate yourself. What you do 
is not primary. What God does is primary. Let's look at the next thing. Uh, we, get, we, we get into this in verse number two. Don't overwork your job. Don't overwork your job. So he says in verse 2, uh, in vain you rise up early, you stay up late, you toil uh, for the food that you eat, but he grants sleep to those he loves. So this is directed towards those who can't seem to stop overworking. Um, in comparison to our children, work is worthless. Okay? in comparison to our, our children. Um, he says to get up early is in vain. It doesn't make sense to stay up late either. Um, and, and let me clarify this though, and I, and I think I need to put this in here just for some balance. And that is that in Proverbs, uh, where it says a whole lot about being a sluggard. Don't be a sluggard. And you need to work. You need to work hard. And in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. So we know those things and we understand those things. But on the balances of work and kids, which is more important? Amen. Amen. Straight from a, kid, a, mouth, a kid's mouth. I'm the most important. But it's true. It's absolutely true. Um... I read a uh, quote from uh, a man by the name of Bob Deffenbaugh. And uh, he said, God, got, God gives to those who have learned to rest in Him, not to those who strive in their own strength. God gives to those who've learned to rest in Him. That scripture said He gives to His beloved, even in their sleep. So God's blessings on our lives don't come from our self-effort. God's blessings are a result of God's grace because I do not deserve with any effort that I put forth any of the good things that God does for me. Least of all salvation, least of all forgiveness in heaven and His presence in my life and His Holy Spirit, I don't deserve any of that through any self-effort of mine. None of it. But God's blessings are a result of His grace. Let me ask this question. Since you've been saved, since you've been saved, do you feel more now that you're earning the blessings of God than, than of any other time in your life? Or do you believe that the blessings of God are a result of the grace of God? Now, I know sometimes we feel like, God, why aren't you blessing me more? You're blessing them. Why aren't you blessing me like you're blessing them? I know thoughts like that come into our head. But we're thankful for anything that God does and anything that God gives us, especially when we're trying to raise children. So, we can, we can sleep and we can rest and we know that God can bless it because, he's, because God never sleeps. And He's always watching and He always knows what's going on. Listen to Psalm 121 verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep, slumber nor sleep. So there's this idea of don't, don't work so hard. Don't work too much because you have kids that need you. 
and I read a, another article about a man who was talking about the successful men in business and industry and the sacrifices that they have made to build the empires that they have built. And they, but the problem was they, they built up an empire, but they destroyed the lives of their children because they were never around. And this makes sense to us. And it makes total sense until it's 5 o'clock and we're on the way out and the boss says, I need you to work late. I need you to work like two or three hours because we've got to get this out. And then it becomes an everyday thing. And, and it becomes easier and easier. You know, these men, when they were building up their empires and they were having these children, if you ask them, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you'll give me your child, they would probably have said no, absolutely not. If somebody had come to them and said, I will give you a million dollars if you will give me time with your child so I can take them on picnics and show them how to ride a bike and, and take them to birthday parties. And they probably said, absolutely not. But that's exactly what they've done by staying away from the family and working so much. But I did it to provide for my family. What family? You don't even know your family. You don't know what your kids are doing on the weekends or weeknights. You don't know what's going on in their lives. You've lost, and, and we even lose touch with our spouses because work has become so important. Now work has its place. And we know this because of Scripture. But you have been given a human being wondrously, fearfully made to watch over and take care of. And it is way more important than any job or any promotion that anybody can offer us. Amen? What about people in the ministry? People in the ministry have to make sacrifice. And many times they have to sacrifice time with their own families. But listen to what the great pioneer missionary David Livingston said. He said this to a friend. He said, I hope you're playing with your children. And looking back, I have one regret, and that is that I did not feel it my duty to play with my children as much as to teach the natives. I worked very hard at that and was tired out at night. And now I have none to play with, so my good friend, play while you may. That's good advice. Coming from a man who was faithfully devoted to God. But even he got it wrong. And he knew it. And he got wisdom from that, and he shared it. And we can only hope that the friend that he shared this with took that, took that to heart. Don't overestimate yourself. Don't overwork yourself. And then finally, uh, we see the last thing that I want to bring out this morning. And that is probably the most obvious one of all. Don't overlook your children. Don't overlook your children. Our children take a lot of our time. They take a lot of our energy. We have to tell them, I'm not sure how many times a child has to hear something before they actually do it, <laughs> or they actually understand what you're saying. I think, I don't know what age that no finally sinks in. Does it ever? I'm just being funny now, silly. But you know, don't overlook your children. They're so important. They're so special. Um, they're meant to be a blessing. They're not meant to be a burden. They're meant to be a heritage. They're not meant to be a hindrance. The word for son, 
the word for daughter and the word for house comes from the same root, which means to build. You want to build a house. You want to build a son. You want to build a daughter. I'm going to step out on a limb here. And I'm going to say that I wonder if all of the gender confusion in our society today stems from the fact that as parents, we're not raising our daughters to be daughters. And we're not raising our sons to be sons. William, how unsympathetic are you? How, how mean and hateful and intolerant a thing to say. This is, this is what God said. He is not intolerant. And he, and he is more sensitive than anybody here. And when he decided for Eve to be a woman, it wasn't a mistake. When he decided for Adam to be a man, it wasn't a mistake. But maybe the confusion that our children are experiencing nowadays is because we are not parenting faithfully the way that God told us to. Do you believe that there are Christian families that are experiencing struggles with this gender identity thing and with homosexuality and different things like that that's in our society today? Absolutely. Does, that, does it make us, does it give us the opportunity to, to ask the question, are they parenting? Are they parenting successfully? We need to pray for our, our country. Even though we know that as we near the end of, of all things, things will continue to get worse and worse, and things are going to happen that are in the Bible that, that says are going to happen, but we should never stop praying for our country, and we should never stop praying for the families in our country and the leadership of our country. Because I want everybody that, that is a leader, uh, a, a Republican, a Democrat, a president, a vice president, uh, a mayor, a governor. I want these people to be saved. I want them to be saved because I want them to go to heaven. And I want them to be saved because with Christ in their heart, He is going to flow out of, of them in their actions and their decision making. And it's going to make an impact on our world and in our country. But until we understand that and until we realize that, it's not going to happen. So we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for those in leadership. It is so much more fun to make fun of them and to gawk at them and to shake our head at them and to talk about all the things that they do wrong. And I jump in the crowd with you on that. I've done that. But how much time am I spending praying for these people? How much time am I spending praying for the parents in our church and in, in our country? When I see a child that is vocalizing confusion on television, do I pray for that child or do I say, what a freak, what a weirdo, turn the channel, or do I, do I pray for him? So every child, every child, every single child, no matter what their struggles are, every child is a blessing. And everybody in the house should say, Amen. Every child is a blessing. Um, so, build a house, build a family, build a son, build a daughter, but accept the Lord, build it. Your labor in vain. Your labor is in vain. Remember that. 
And then he moves from building of a house um, to the building, the, the building the people, again, that are in the house. And he reminds parents that it is their privilege to have children in these, these next few verses. There was once a lady who walked up to uh, Charles Spurgeon, and she said this to him. Reverend, I really feel God is calling me to the ministry. And Spurgeon asked her, well, are you married? And she said, yes, I am. And he asked her, well, do you have any children? And she said, yes, I do. And she says, I have 13 kids. And in his witty and wise style, he remarked, well, praise God. Not only has he called you into the ministry, he has even given you a congregation. 13 children. Um, mothers, fathers, your, your main ministry is your children. Not your church. Not your neighbor. It's your children. Think about that. That's your main ministry. And you want to build them up. And unless, he, unless God build it, the building is in vain. One of the saddest things I think that a parent can do, and I've heard this many times, is talk about what a failure their children are, how worthless they are, how bratty they are. And I don't know, I know that, that verbal abuse is bad. Physical abuse is horrible too. I think they're equally destructive and horrifying. But I read a quote that one pastor made, and I, I, I love this. He said, we should treasure our children as we would treasure a precious gift from a wealthy friend because that's what they are. Our children are a precious gift from a wealthy friend. I've got so many things I want to share. I'll, I just don't have enough time. Okay, let's talk about heritage for just a second. Heritage, we see in that scripture, heritage can be translated as a gift. And I want to say this because there are forever going to be those people that don't have children. And there are forever going to be those people who have children that look at them and think, why don't they have children? There will forever be people who walk up to people who just got married and they'll say, when are you going to have children? And then they'll see, there are people who see people that are married and they've been married for a little while, five, three, four, five, six years. Why don't you have children? And we don't think before we say things like that because a lot of times there is an issue because there are no children. That's why there are no children. Sometimes it's not just a physical issue, but sometimes people have been hurt and they don't know how to deal with that hurt so they don't want to transfer that to any children so they don't have children. You see how, how wit, not witty, but how scheming and manipulative the enemy is. But here's the deal. God either chooses to open a womb and provide children or close it, okay? And it's his choice and it's his decision. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with a woman, with a couple, if they don't have any kids. Do you, do you understand that? That's important for us to know, important for us to understand. Because we tend to think that if God hasn't given you this 
or if you're sick, or if you can't get past this, then there is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with all of us. And that is sin. And Christ dealt with our sin at Calvary. So He's taking care of that for us. And He has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And maybe for some individuals, for some families, for some couples, it doesn't mean having a biological child. Some people don't have biological children, but they have adopted children. And some people, uh, you know, take children in from the system and take care of them for a while and then, and then turn, let them go. And, or, or they go somewhere else or they, they, they're there till they're old enough to go out on their own. There, there's a purpose and a plan for each life. But no matter what, when you see a child, that child is a gift. And we need to remember that. Verse 3 tells us where children come from. It says that they come from the Lord. And then verse 4 tells us where they're going. They're supposed to be launched for the Lord's purposes. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now in Bible days, arrows were made out of sticks and they had to be sharpened and they had to be straightened. Arrows had to be sharpened and they had to be straightened. Our children who are being likened to arrows, need to be sharpened, and they need to be straightened. <laughs> How do you do that? Not with the belt, <laughs> not with harsh words, but with faith and trust and the very Word of God. That's how we do that. Arrows are supposed to be kept in quivers. That's the container that holds your arrows. And you keep them there so that you can have quick access and pull them out and shoot them very quickly. How would you feel if your arrows were not ready when, and, and they were never released? You never released them. We have to do that. That applies to our children as well. Part of our having children and raising children is that at some point we've got to launch them off and let them go. It's also essential to have the right sight when you're aiming those arrows. And what better way to get the sight that we need than through the Word of God. And we need to have a target to shoot at as well. What target do you have for your children? Is it to make sure that they go to the most prestigious colleges and get the best job so they can make the most money so they can take care of you in your old age? That's, that's part of it, my friend. That's part of it. It really is. That's part of it. But that's not the target. What is our target? I think 3 John 4, 3 John 4 tells us what it is. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Jim Elliott was another um, missionary. Uh, that a lot of people will know. And when he was writing to his parents, uh, they, were, they were putting a lot of pressure on him to stay in the United States instead of going to Ecuador to be a missionary. His parents were. And so this is what he wrote to them. And what are arrows for but to shoot? So with the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them, straight at the enemy's hosts 
Now, the, the bottom line to this story is that shortly after this, Jim Elliot was martyred. He was killed by those that he came to witness to and tell about Christ. But it forever changed these people. It made a tremendous difference. Through the Gates of Splendor. Uh, that's the book. If you haven't read it, it's a good book to read. So think about it like this. When you're teaching your kid how to ride a bike, you know, you're going to run along with them. You're going to hold on to the bike for a while because you don't want them to topple over and fall down and get hurt. So you're going to run alongside if you can, especially when you've taken those training wheels off because you're, you're headed towards something. And so you grab hold of that seat and you're running along with them, but at some point, people, you've got to let go or you're going to get so tired you can't keep going. You've got to let them go. And that's part of it. And that's, that's the connotation with likening children to arrows. We've got to guide our children, and then we have to let them go. We've got to give them roots, and then we have to give them wings. That's all part of the parenting process. That's our role as parents. And I think I like how it's, it's told to us in John chapter 3. He must increase and we must decrease. I think that's a good application of that verse. Because we one day we'll turn them loose and let them go. And we say, Lord, I've done what I can and I will continue to be here for them. But they're in your hands, Lord. You take them where you want them to go and you keep them safe. If you have a chance, I'm not going to take the time to read this today because we're really out of time, but there's a poem called Kids Are Like Kites by Irma Bombeck, and I want you to read that if you get a chance. And it talks about how you are flying a kite, and eventually you just have to keep letting that string go. Keep letting it go. Keep letting it out. But eventually you're going to run out of string, and that, that, that line may break. But that's what you were there for, to hold on to that string until it was time to let go. That's parenting. And then verse 5 gives us another reason not to overlook our children. And this is where Bob's amen, brother, really comes into play. Because it gives us the, the idea here that one day they, they will be looking out, out after us. I know there are many people in our congregation that take care of their parents. What, an, what a blessing, what an honor, what, a, what an example, what a godly example that is. Um, it's just important for us to remember that and, and to do that. Uh, he talked about the gate, the city gate. Uh, he said, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Now, the city gate is where all the business transactions took place, and it was always where enemies would try to come in, but it was always helpful to have a godly family around you to take care of you and to help you and to back you up, and that's the idea that we get there. So today's message was God, family God's way. This is what God's intentions are, and this is what he wants for us. So let's bring this home. I've got a few things I want to share with you before we pray to dismiss, and I want to, I want to offer this to you that... Um, that raising children is a lot like remodeling a house. I don't know if any of you have ever done that. But it will take longer than you expected. It will cost you more than, than you figured. 
It's going to be messier than you anticipated, and it's going to require more patience than you ever thought possible. And I think those things probably apply to everything, really, but especially with raising our children. So what we've learned here today and what we've heard, you know, don't, don't overestimate yourself, don't overwork yourself, don't overlook your children. I want to ask this, these questions. How committed are you to building your family God's way? How committed are you to doing that? How badly do you want things to be better in your own family? How badly do you want things to be better? They're not going to get better until you do whatever it takes to make it happen. And this psalm is not trying to get us to stop building. It's not trying to get you as a builder in your family to stop building. And it's not trying to get you as a watcher to stop watching. But it's saying whatever you do, do it in tandem with God. Don't leave God out of it because God is sovereign. And God is the most important thing when raising a children, when raising children and raising a family. God blesses as we work and God blesses as we trust. But it's not going to get any better until you make a decision that it's going to be better. Until you start realizing it's not all up to me, it's up to Him. I don't have to work so much. I need to spend time with my family and I need to make sure that I treasure my children as the gift that they are. And then we need to confess the times when we have operated in our own strength because we do that. I know that everybody here does that. I think that a good habit for us to get into is prayer, first off. And I think that as we pray, we pray, Lord, I realize that, that what happens today is not up to me, it's up to you. I realize that I'm not orchestrating all this. I understand that you are. So I just want to tell you now, I need you. I need you like nothing and no one else. So help me as I lead. Help me as I work. Help me as I build. Help me as I watch. Lord, just help me because I need you. And he does. He will do that very thing. You don't ever have to worry about it. He's going to do it. It's not up to you. Confess that when you do that. I'm, I know, Lord, that I'm trying to do it all. And, well, how do you know when you're trying to do things in and of your own strength? Well, James McDonald says you'll know it because you're angry, you're anxious, you're impatient, and you're empty. And that's when you know you're trying to do everything on your own. And then finally, you need to get help if you need help. And that comes from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, it comes from anybody you know that is trying to raise a family faithfully, the way that God wants them to. Um, sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need to help each other. I like the story about uh, Henry Ford who was driving one day. And he was driving uh, down the road and he saw a man in a Model T. This was Henry Ford. And he saw a man driving a Model T and it was off the side of the road and he was having problems with it. And so Henry Ford stopped and said, what's going on? He said, well, my car's, I'm having problems with my car. And so Henry Ford took a look at it, tinkered a little bit, got it started, and the man was good to go. And the man said, I'm amazed at your ability to fix my car so easily. And he said, I ought to be able to fix it because I'm the one who designed it. God can fix it if something needs fixed in our families. God can fix it. 
Because why? Because He is the one that designed it. So dads, moms, aunts, uncles, grandmothers, grandfathers, legal guardians, church members, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, trust in the Lord. It's not all up to you. It's up to Him. And you get to join Him in the work that He's doing in your church and in your family. And what a privilege it is for us to be able to do that here in this church with the kids that are here. Amen. Who's thankful for our kids this morning? Maybe we should have Happy Kids Day. But we all know that that's every day, right? Let's bow our heads for just a moment, church.